So it's really good to see everybody. I had not seen you all in a couple weeks. We're going to go ahead and get started with our group today. We're studying the life of Christ, and we're studying it through a harmony of the Gospels. All right. So just for some of y'all who have been a part of our group for a while, somebody explain that to me. What do I mean to say we're studying the life of Christ? His life on earth. His life on earth, which started when? When he was born. When he was born of a virgin, right? And it ended when he what? Got crucified on the cross. Not quite. He was buried in the grave, and three days later he rose. Yeah. Then for 40 days he walked on the earth and shared with his disciples, his apostles. And then he what? He ascended in there. Then he ascended into heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. Then he sits on the right hand of the Father. And so how do we know about that? We go to the scriptures and we study the books of Matthew. Mark, Luke, John, mm-hmm. and the book of the first two chapters of the book of Acts. So that will be the gospel of Jesus' earthly advent, his first coming, if you will. Now remember, Jesus is eternal. All right. So before he was actually physically uh, a man, he's still God. He's still the Son, right? Right. And he's been, he always has been. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we know that Jesus is eternal, but he stepped into this temporary thing we call time, right? Into this temporary thing we call time and lived a life before us. And why did he do that? He did that because without him doing that, we would not know God. We would not be able to understand him. And so Jesus clothed himself in humanity and walked among us so that we could understand who he is. It takes a man to understand a man. And so uh, the Old Testament constantly tells of this coming one who is going to come and uh, to seek and to save the lost, to conquer evil, to do away with the curse, and to establish an eternal kingdom. And so as we read the Old Testament, all of the Jewish uh, folks, <clears throat> even before there was Jewish folks, remember Adam wasn't Jewish, right? Right. That's very important to remember. And even in the, the book of Genesis, uh, Adam was told, uh, he was told that one day uh, the woman would have a child that would bruise the serpent's head. And so they were looking for someone to come and, t- and to crush the dragon, to take evil away and, mm-hmm. and to make the world uh, a better place. Um, when we were kids, we, we used to read the the fairy tales and the, and the, uh, and they always ended what and they lived what happily, happily ever after. after like and every fairy tale you read to your daughter or your son happily ever after right, that's exactly right well when Jesus comes back and and finally establishes the eternal kingdom not only in the spiritual realm but in the physical realm then we will live happily ever after and that's going to look like a what a new heavens and a, a new earth and so. The promise has been all along, and so we've been studying about Jesus' life and how he came and established the kingdom of God, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so Jesus came and expressed the will of God and lived it out before us and accomplished his father's desire. And to this day, 
You hear a lot of people saying they're perfect. No man is perfect. The only one that was perfect, they killed. They sacrificed. That's very true. Jesus is the only perfect one. So let's all open with a word of prayer. We're going to go in and get, read our scriptures first, and then we're going to get in and kind of talk about it. Uh, most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, and we thank you for the many blessings that you pour on our lives, for the food in our bellies, for the wisdom in our minds and the love in our hearts, you are the one who gives us all of those things, and we just thank you for it. We thank you that uh, although we don't deserve it, that your grace um, overcomes and supersedes um, our sin and our selfishness, and we love you for that. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us, and now as we begin to study his life, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will open our eyes and our ears and our minds to your truth. Help us to receive that truth, help us to believe that truth, and give us the strength and the willingness to walk in that truth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Now, last time we were together, we saw Jesus give his disciples a warning, and he warned them, and he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the scribes. Beware of the leaven. And remember we talked about being puffed up with things that don't matter, right? Uh, Heather's over there eating some Fritos right now. And the reality is there's a lot of air in those Fritos. They're puffed up, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Right? If they weren't, they would be flat like a Dorito. But pizza is puffed up. The, the crust on the pizza is puffed up on it. The water is puffed up. Right? And Not so, so much those ones. <laughs> Jesus warned us about leaven, and we talked together about how leaven represented sin all through the Bible. And we talked about how Jesus presented us with the bread of life. What is the bread of life? Christ. He is the bread of life, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever feeds on him will never hunger. Uh, But another uh, uh, picture of the bread in the Bible is what? The word of God, remember? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And and remember the the Israelites in the desert uh, uh, were given the manna every morning. I want to... I'll say something about the man. I read somewhere in the Bible, might have been a study paper, but God opened the heavens and gave them angels' food. Is that they called it angels' food? Is, yeah. They did call yeah. it. Okay, then yeah. that, that was not wrong. Right, and uh, and so that manna, the word manna in Hebrew and Jewish means what is it? And so they woke up and looked outside of their tents, and there was this manna laying all over the ground, and they said, "What is it?" And what's the Hebrew word? Manna. So that's why they call it manna. And so that God fed their physical needs with this angel food, with this bread from heaven. But then later in the book of John, in John chapter 6, Jesus talks about how Moses, uh, God gave uh, Moses and the Israelites this bread from heaven. But Jesus said, but I am the true bread. Whoever feeds on me will never hunger again, right? And what's the difference in the children of Israel in the wilderness eating manna? And the people who feed on Jesus at the bread of life, the children in the uh, wilderness had to get up every morning and go out and collect up that manna, didn't they? Why? Because they physically had to eat in order to live. Well, we have to physically feed on Christ in order to have life. But the reality is that that temporary manna didn't last like the eternal bread from heaven, who is Jesus. And so... Uh, Jesus talked about how he feeds us with the truth. He gives us the bread of life. And as we feed on us, it nourishes not only our bodies, but our souls and our spirits. 
in our minds. It gives us nourishment. It gives us energy. It gives us the strength to go on. And so uh, he also warned us. He said, be careful, though, because there's a lot of puffed up bread out there. There's a lot of leaven out there, a lot of false mm-hmm. teachings, false uh, uh, right? Uh, a lot of false teachings, a lot of self-righteousness, self-sufficiency, uh, self-will. There, there's all of this... There's all of this, these things out there that will, will, when we eat them, they feel like they're good for us, but in reality, they're, they're, not. they're not. And he said, be careful of this leaven. And, and he warned his disciples that people were going to come along and feed them false teaching and feed them false things that would hurt them in their life. And so he had warned them about that. And, and so, but in verse 12 of, Matthew 16, uh, it said, Then they understood that Matthew he... Matthew 16. Matthew 16, uh, verse 12. Then they understood that he did not say to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so what happened, Jesus was talking about leaven, and Jesus was talking about bread. And of course, the disciples immediately started thinking about bread, like food that you eat, when in reality, Jesus was using bread and leaven as a metaphor for sin. And what happened? They missed it. Why? Because so often we try to grasp the spiritual realities of God's truth with our physical or carnal wisdom, with our physical understanding. And when you try to do that, it always blows up in your face. It always blows up in your face. And so uh, remember uh, when Jesus told the, uh, the people... Uh, he said, if you do not drink my blood and eat my flesh, you are not, you have no part with me. And a lot of people walked away at that point, mm-hmm. didn't they? Why? Because they were thinking he was telling them to be cannibals. Yeah. Right. And so what happens is there's there's this constant... Uh, there's this constant uh, misconnect or miscommunication mm-hmm. when we try to understand the spiritual things of God with our carnal or our natural minds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work, right? The natural man does not receive the things of God for their foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. Right. And so maybe you have a friend or a lost family member or a loved one who you try to explain the scriptures to. You try to explain the love of God to, and they just simply don't get it. You know? Yeah, I run into one of them ones before. And, and the reality is you can sit down at work and talk about like every. On Monday, when I get to work, I talk with all the guys, all the stalkers and stuff about the scores on the football games and which quarterbacks did good. And boy, there's just all kind of chatter all around the room, you see, because we naturally want to talk about carnal, temporary things. But when you begin to talk about the spiritual realities and the truth of God, it kind of turns people off, doesn't it? And not only that, they miss the boat. They, they scare them. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. And and you know, you think about that. You try to explain the love of God and and what Jesus did on the cross to save broken people. I think like his that. question was, why does it scare them? See, I don't think I don't know how much it scares them as much as it doesn't scare them. A fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, mm-hmm. and they don't care. They simply do not care about the things of God yeah. because they're so caught up in the world, in the world, and and this moment. Yes. Like children. Children can't think in the past or in the future very far, can they? No. They're not very good at that. Now, if you tell them you're going to take them to the playground the next morning, they'll, they'll remember they'll that. They'll be right. Yeah, they'll remember that. <laughs> no, yeah. But, but you know, they don't, 
they, they don't have a grasp of the reality of time. They don't understand how it works. How many of you, some of you in this room, uh, let's just say, I'll say you're a little older than I am, right? Yeah. Well, I at, hope so. at 50 years old, 52, uh, 51, I'll be 52 a couple weeks, the, the one thing that I have noticed in life, and it's taken me 50 years to realize this, is that time speeds up, mm-hmm. it seems like. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. days go by faster, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like you, it seems like, man, I just did this just a few minutes ago. And, and so Easter comes around quicker, Christmas comes around quicker, birthdays come around quicker. Yes. And, and so life speeds up. But the reality is life is still moving along mm-hmm. at the same pace. But when you think about kids, kids have their whole life before them, or so they think, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so how is life when you're a kid? Time drags on. Drags, yeah. Right? Oh, I was in trouble all the time. Yeah, you know, time continues to drag. It's like they can't wait for this and this and this. But the reality is, is, is time is the same for everyone. But for a child, it seems like time lasts forever. But what happens is you get older and you see your friends and your family and your loved ones dying. You become more wise. You become more aware of how fragile time really is and how how quick it passes. And, and so there's a part of you on the inside of you that realizes, I don't have as many breaths left as I did before. Right. And the closer you get to that last breath, mm-hmm. the faster time speeds up, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, there's not enough time to complete everything that you wanted right. to do. Well, it's like one of the songs I heard. It was a country western song uh, about your kids when they're young. Okay, no, no, they can't, but... But anyway, he was he was this guy who was a singer, you might remember him. He was talking about how his kids uh he used to he remembers taking the babies up, pampering them, changing diapers, remember and now they're out running loose, they're out working all this. He said time flies too quick. Yeah. He says once you close your eyes, your kids haven't grown up and moved on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have a hard time understanding and grasping the things of God with our natural mind because we're natural and the things of God are spiritual. And so we saw that with Jesus' disciples. He was trying to explain things to them and they wouldn't grasp it. How many times have you been sitting in church and the preacher explains something to you out of the scriptures and all of a sudden these bells go off and you go, man, I never saw that before. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But the reality is you probably read that passage of scripture Many times. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what happens? We become more aware of what God is saying. It becomes more real to As us. As we learn more, we understand more. That's exactly right. And But we do have to understand that we need to remember that Jesus' disciples walked with him for three and a half years, and they still missed the boat, and we're going to see that here in just a second. So let's go ahead and read the text, um, Matthew 16, verse 13 to 23. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi. He was asking his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, we did talk about this a little bit last week together. Some of y'all might remember some of the stuff we talked about here. But Jesus came and he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man was a reference to uh, the book of Ezekiel uh, and several of the Old Testament prophets. The coming one, the one who was coming to fulfill the promise of God, was known as the Son of Man. All right? Mm -hmm. The Son of Man. And Jesus um, took that as a term of endearment for himself. He related to us because he was a man. Remember, Jesus said 100% God. But he's also 100% man. Mm-hmm. And you and I can't grasp that because we're only 100% man. We don't have the God part of us. So Jesus was 100% man. He was 100% God. And he, he identified himself as the son of man, as the prophesied one, as the one that Ezekiel said was coming. And so he asked him, who do the people say that the son of man is? And they said, some said John the Baptist. Others said Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah. Now, what do all three of those people have in common? John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah. Prophets. Good, they're prophets. And uh, I would also say that uh, Elijah was uh, a miracle worker too, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. But they were all prophets of God. And what does a prophet do? A prophet speaks for God. Mm -hmm. All right? And so he relays to the people the message that God gives him to relay. And so... The people are the people that are following around. And who are they saying that Jesus is? Some of them think that he's Elijah. Some think that he's John the Baptist. And some think that some he's... people are trying to guess who he is, right. but they don't know. Right. Very good. And in verse 15, the most important question is this. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? In other words, he's not John the Baptist. He's not Elijah. And he's not Jeremiah. Right. Now... Who do you say that I am? So he's asking his disciples, I know what the people are chattering. What do you say? Who am I? Now, um, Peter's going to answer it right here in a second. But remember, John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah were all prophets. Mm -hmm. And they all had one thing in common in their message. (coughs) And what was the common theme in their message? The Messiah would come? The Christ. That's exactly right. So, he's not John the Baptist. He's not Elijah. He's not Jeremiah. He's what they were prophesying about. He has their characteristics because Jesus came preaching repent for the kingdom is at hand. Who was doing that? John the Baptist. John, Jeremiah, and Elijah, right? And he was also doing miracles. Who did that? Elijah. Remember the battle of Mount Carmel? Feeding the widow. and and, uh, Elijah did all kinds of miracles. So he has some. But Elijah called on God to do those miracles, and then yeah. they were done before sure. the people. Well, Jesus did the same thing. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he raised his eyes to heaven and said, "Father." Oh. You remember? Okay. So he. But, but on everything Jesus did, he asked the Father first. Well, everything I mean, he was, was God. Or everything was according to the Father's Moses will. Moses the same way? He called on God. Yeah. Yes. Good. So Jesus does have very much in common with Elijah. With Jeremiah, with Moses, yeah, right. Because Moses actually said one day a greater prophet is coming, and they were Amen. looking for that greater prophet. 
And and so uh, he has something in common with all of these, but he said, but who do you say I am? So what is the inference from him asking that? But who do you say that I am? In, in other words, what he's saying, I'm not those guys. Who do you say I who am? Who do you mean, say I am? Who am I really? And you know that really matters for each and every one of us in this room. Yeah. Um, because so often in our lives, our religion, our beliefs, our faith is just simply based on what our parents believe. Or what our best friend believes, or what our husband or our wife believes. You we know? have to find our own way. It might be based on that, but there's some point where God reveals Himself to you, and, and yes, you have your exactly. own faith. That's exactly right. So it's not what the people think; it's what do you think? Yes. That's how you have to answer. You as an individual. And so, what does Peter say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he's the Son of God, and he is the anointed one. He is the one sent from the Father to save the people. He is the one that Jeremiah and Elijah and John the Baptist proclaimed. You see what Peter's saying there? Mm -hmm. He supersedes all of them because he is the fulfillment of all of their prophecies. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So why is he saying Peter is blessed? Because he has more knowledge. He understands. Good. God opened his eyes. Good. He had and connection good. with the Father. Good. And do you remember this? Do you remember when Jesus sent the 72 out to do miracles? <clears throat> he sent them out two by two. Yeah. And they went out and did miracles. They were casting out demons and healing. Mm-hmm. And they all came back to Jesus. And they were all like, they were Amazed. like pumped up. And they, one of the things they said is, even the devils yield to us. Right? And what did you, does anybody remember what Jesus said to him? He said, do not be amazed about the miracles that you're doing. He said, be thankful that your names are written down in the book of life, are written down in heaven. In other words, it's not about the miracles. No. The reason you are blessed is because you are a chosen one of God. Mm-hmm. You are one of his children. And Amen. that is why you are blessed. And so he said, Peter, you are blessed because the Father who is in heaven is the one who revealed this to you. Right? So if Jesus says, my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you, who does the Father reveal his truth to? The believers. His sons. That's exactly right. And daughters for you ladies. Yeah. Same thing. Do you see what that means? Mm-hmm. That it's only the regenerate. It's the only the blood-bought child of God. It is only the one who is indwelt with the Holy Spirit that is able to grasp and understand the things of God. And so what is Jesus saying? Simon, you are blessed because my Father in Heaven has revealed this to you. God <coughs> has opened your eyes to a truth that most of the world remains blinded to. Mm-hmm. And it's a gift, and it's a blessing. And it kind of sealed his spot in heaven, too. Uh, because what, God, he's one of God's children. It would not have been revealed to him good. if he was not good. connected to yeah. God, the Father. So he said, flesh and blood did not realize, uh, reveal this to you. So, you know, uh, you can, an unregenerate person could read the Bible over and over and over again and study all the great commentaries and all the great theologians and all of the uh, the church history and everything else but if they're unregenerate they still will never grasp the reality that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God you see how that works they just won't be able to grasp it now because flesh and blood did not reveal it to you 
So again, remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said, the natural man does not receive the things of God. Exactly. Neither can he understand them because they are foolishness to him. It doesn't make sense. Right. You see? And so remember that. When you're sharing the gospel and you're sharing the truth of God's word with the lost, with your lost family members and loved ones, and when you're sharing the truth with people in the community who do not know Christ, you have to remember that it takes an act of the Spirit of God to open their ears and their eyes to those truths. And don't get frustrated when they don't receive it with joy. Most won't. Right. Right? So, he says, And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower. Now, I'm going to quickly go through that because we don't have a long time, and I think we did talk about this last time we were together because I remember Michael being here. Question, okay. When we get to, um, are you, are you going to come out of Matthew and go somewhere else? No. This one is in verse 19. Okay, we'll get there. Okay. We will get there. All right. So Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father. I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, in the Catholic churches, they believe that Peter is the rock that Jesus built the church on. They believe that Peter was the first pope mm-hmm. and that Jesus is saying right here, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. But the reality is, it's not Peter that God builds the church on. Who is the cornerstone of the church? Christ. 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 So what he's saying is, Peter, you nailed it on the head. I am the uh, but he's son of God. <clears throat> his church because he's bringing the people. The people are his church. No, no it's... Christ. Peter is one of the apostles, one of the sent ones. But it's not Peter that builds the church. It's the message that Peter proclaimed that builds right. the church. That's very important the to remember. The message that Peter proclaims to the people is what? That you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Savior. You are the Savior. You are the Son of God. And so it's on that proclamation of that promise, of that truth, that God is going to build His church. So think about that. Is that the same message that Elijah and Jeremiah and John the Baptist were proclaiming? Yes. Yes. It's always been the same message because it's always about Christ. He gave me a hint. Right? It's always about Christ. So what is God going to use for the foundation of His church? The gospel. Jesus Himself. Jesus is the gospel. And, and the Peter proclamation proclaim that. the proclamation of that gospel is what what we have been given. Now what it, so when he calls him Peter, he says, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now the name Petros in Greek means little pebble. It means little yeah. pebble. Mm-hmm. Petra is a giant slab. It's like granite mountain. Right. Okay, so when you read it in the in the uh in the original language, it says, Blessed are you, Petros, for on this Petra I will build my church. My pebble. You are one of the pebbles 
But the foundation, the granite that the church is built on is Christ Himself. And then Peter goes into that. When you read in the book of Peter, it says that Christ is the cornerstone and that the, and, and that the church was built up on the apostles and the prophets. Right? So Jesus is the granite and all of the believers in the church are His body. And they're the little pebbles that builds up and makes the church Church. itself. Right? So he said, I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, remember, a lot of times when we think of the gates of hell not overpowering it, we think about the devil coming and attacking us. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying the gates of hell. Now, what do gates do? Keep people out. They keep people out. And so there's these gates of hell that have all of your lost family and loved ones locked in and into the darkness and into damnation and condemnation. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a gate there. Yeah, but what does it say? The gates of hell will not prevail against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what does that mean? So that means they that can't lock us in there. We're not locked in there, but <laughs> we, but it can't keep people in. Yeah. Because the message breaks the gates down where people are set free. Right. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So remember in the book of Revelation, um, in Revelation chapter 20, it says that Satan would be bound for a season so that he can no longer deceive the nations. Right? right. Well, remember, at the time that Jesus was preaching, how many people in the world knew about the true God? Not, Not very much. Just the people there. Just one little tiny little Cross. speck of land over in the Middle East mm-hmm. was the only people that had the revelation of God. Why? Because it was the Jewish people that had the Old Testament. They were the ones that had the truth. And what does that mean about the whole rest of the world? The, the God of this world had they blinded their eyes. They were by the seat of their pants. Yep. The God of this world had blinded their eyes so that they could not do the, know the yeah. truth. So the kingdom of Satan had literally encompassed all of the world. Yeah. The whole world was in darkness. That must have been nasty. Yeah, I'm sure it was. So think about this. In in the Garden of Eden, uh, everything was light. Yeah. And then the devil came down and planted one seed of darkness. And what happened? Darkness spread over the whole world. Right? Why did God let that happen? Because he had to let that happen. Because watch. But now, at Jesus' birth, the whole world was in what? Darkness. At Jesus' birth, the whole world was in darkness. And so God came down and planted that seed of light. Yeah, the morning star. And what's happening? That light is spreading now all over the world. So the gates of hell are not able to no longer prevail against the message of God and His truth and His light and His love. You see how that works? And so he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Right? So what do, well, let's just answer it simply. What do keys do? Open doors. They open doors. All right? So Jesus has given Peter some keys. What do those keys allow Peter to do? Unlock doors. Open doors. And what doors is he opening? Was it the keys to the city? The keys to the kingdom. Very good. The keys to the kingdom. 
So Peter and the apostles, because they have the gospel, who is the gospel message about? Jesus. Jesus. Who does it proclaim? Jesus and his kingdom come. He has these keys now, so what is he now allowed to do? Open the door. Open the door so that the world can come in. All right, so what's your question? So it says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So... Our life is for us to get to know God, worship God, learn his word. That we gain and we get to keep in heaven. That's what we gain. Whatever you bind on earth, we are binding our souls to the Father. Well, yeah. And so what's happening is, so remember in in the garden when Satan unleashed darkness on this world. Mm -hmm. He Uh basically opened... Pandora's box, if you right, remember. Right, right. That, that's kind of where they get that Pandora's box. The Greek mythology comes from the original story. It's yeah, just the story. Yeah. And so he loosed on this earth the kingdom of hell. Yeah. And what did the kingdom of hell do? It kind of took over but it. But isn't this specifically whatever you bind on earth? So... But how are you binding it? You are binding you're it to truth. reading God's word. Right. You're proclaiming God's word. And so basically what you're doing is you have been given the ability to open up the way for the word of God, the truth of God, the kingdom of God to be established here on earth. And in us. Right. So when, G- when Jesus taught us to pray and said, your will be done on earth. As, as it is in heaven. Does that make sense? So what you're it doing, does. you're opening the door to the will of God so that the world can know it. I get that. Right. But aren't we, we are binding, because the way I'm reading it, it's, it's very personal to me. And it says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I'll be bound to, to the Father in heaven because I'm binding my, we are binding now. He's teaching me right here. And whatever we loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the, the, the sin that Christ died for, for me, is is being loosed from me. He's taking it. So I will be clean when I go to heaven. That's how I'm reading it. Is that wrong? You can read it that way if you'd like. Is it wrong? I don't think so. I, I But what? It, again, remember, there is a, a battle going on right now between good and evil all over the world. And the children of God, the ones, the sons of God, the ones who he has revealed the truth to, have now been keys to open up the kingdom of God to the world around them. Mm-hmm. And we have the power to bind evil in the sense that we have been given a truth that, that literally chains Satan. Mm-hmm. He can't fight the truth. He can fight against the truth, but he won't win against it. Right. And the truth does what? The truth sets us free, free from what? Binding. But what does the truth do to evil? It binds it. You see? So what? So whatever we lose here on this earth, according to the will of God, it's been given to us to set loose so that the world can know Christ, so that the world can understand and see the kingdom of God. We've been given the ability to help as his children, as his followers, as warriors, as as uh, those in the battle, we've been allowed to set free the truth of God on this earth. 
And we are the, definitely the means that he uses. He uses his word and he uses the proclaimed word. And he uses that word as the way to set the world free. To bring people out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be, have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. So, you have heaven and earth. That's two different realms, is it not? Yes. Heaven and earth is two different realms. And what do keys do? Open a door. Yep. So what are these keys doing? They're opening the door so that God's will can be done both on earth and in heaven. Right. Does that make sense, Lori? It does. Okay. Now, is it God's will that evil be bound? Yes. Okay. And how is it bound? Through what? Yes. Truth. And where does that truth come from? Christ. Christ. God. And the word. Same thing. Okay. So... Peter has been given the ability to loose the kingdom of heaven on earth and bind the kingdom of Satan on earth. And whatever is loosed on earth is loosed from heaven. So when they say they're going to bind Satan for a time, that's not now. He he actually is bound now. But so that they, he can no longer... Is that what they're talking about? So, so that he can no longer deceive the nations. So what is the point of binding him? Well, the, the nations are... A mess. A mess. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're not in a mess like they were when Jesus was walking the earth. Because the whole world was in darkness then. Okay. There's, there's, there's millions of Chinese people now in underground China that are believers and mm -hmm. are children of God. God has revealed his truth to them. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Before Satan was bound, now how was Satan bound? He was bound by what Christ worked on the cross, by the fulfillment of the promise Indeed, of God. Yeah. 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 And he's now he's bound. Now does that mean that the devil don't still roam around like a roar lion seeking who can devour? Of course he does. But you can you can bind a you can bind a dog to a chain. And he will be he will be put in hell forever, right? Yes. You can bind a dog to a chain, and as long as you stay out of the length of that chain, he can't get you. So the devil, through the work of Christ on the cross, the sense. devil has now been limited to what he can do. That on makes the earth. sense. You see how that as works? Long as they stay now, of what that is chain, the what is the book of the Revelation teach us? The the book of the Revelation teaches us that the closer we get to the return of Christ, yeah. that he that that Satan is going to be set free for a little season. Uh, so what does that mean? He's going to break the chain and go through and cause chaos and darkness all over the world. Now, we're there. Uh, we're there now. Well, you would think, you would think, but it's going to get worse. I mean, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. We're not going to get into politics. It's, it's all, like, the, all, all the countries. It's not just the U.S. Yeah, that's it's, right. it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Um, but, you know, one of the things is is that that we've lost the the standard of morality. Like, So the United States and, and uh, the United Kingdom and some of the places around the world used to stand for... Uh, God and truth. Mm -hmm. You know, our country tis of the sweet land of liberty, of the I sing, and and 
land where the father died, land where but the pilgrims tried. Right? And so when our when there was a time in the United States where the Ten Commandments hung in our federal buildings. Mm-hmm. And there was a standard of right and wrong. Well, that's where and the law came from. I mean, was that standard? But what we're seeing now is what? A falling away from those moral absolutes. Yeah, a rejection of God. And so as people reject God, what's God going to do? He's going to reject them. That's yep. what he says. Well, you, he God, did, turns, God turns away from you. Well, look what happens to them. They don't know what sex to be with. I mean, they're just, it's appalling. It's horrible. And it's just terrible. But it's never changed. It's always been it's like It's always been that way. I know. It's when always you read been through the Bible, him. you're absolutely yep. right. It happened in Rome. Right. It happened in Greece. So, what has God done? He has given us the power to overcome this darkness. And by giving us the power to overcome this darkness, we now have a truth that we can proclaim that what? will literally rip down the gates of hell and set the captives free. That's what he's telling Peter. Right. I've given you the power to set the captives free, to break down the gates of hell, and to proclaim the truth of... Well, he, and then when he... Oh, huh? What, John? I said, been, if I uh, went to bed expecting to get up in the morning, and sometime during the night, I am endowed upon all of this crap that's uh, coming down, and you're going to accept... You want me to accept that? I know I'm not going to be able to do that. All right. So let's look at what he says here in verses 21 through 23. Well, he first he warned his disciples. <clears throat> he said that they should tell no one that he is the Christ. Right. All right. Why? Why did he tell them not to say anything? He does that a lot when he does miracles. Well, won't God reveal it to the people who Very good. Know? He had already given us the answer to that. What did he say? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. So, it's so up they didn't in, have to tell anybody. Right. All they have to do is proclaim. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, all I have to do is proclaim his truth, and that truth will open people's eyes. Very good. And not only that, he did. A lot of people that were following him around were just following him for the miracles and for the free bread. Yeah, I get it. You remember? Yeah. And so what's he saying? We only want people following us who are literally seeking truth, truth seekers. And God himself only knew that. Yeah, good. Yeah. Very good. Um, and so let's finish up with these lab. we got about five minutes left to finish up these. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. So he's starting to reveal to his disciples that what's going to happen? He's going to go into the uh, Jerusalem and the religious crowd is going to kill him. Now that's what he's telling his disciples. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now what do we say it means to rebuke somebody? Tell him to hush. Tell him to shut up. So here's G- Now Peter had just opened his mouth up and said, You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Jonah, you, uh, Simon, you are blessed because my Father in heaven is the one that revealed this All to right. you. All right? So he's just finished blessing Peter. And then Peter, he tells Peter, all the disciples, he said, well, look, we're fishing going to Jerusalem, and they're going to kill me. And Peter pulls him to the side and says, hush. God forbid that. Lord, this should never happen to you. God forbid that this should never happen to you. So what is he saying? No, Jesus. 
God forbid that that ever happened to you, that you go into Jerusalem and the people kill you. Think what he's saying. He's saying, I pray to God that that never happens. But if that don't happen, what happens? We're stuck. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior. That's right. If He doesn't come and die. That's right. So Peter has gone from thinking in the Spirit to in the flesh. flesh. No, Jesus, that could never happen to you. But in the Old Testament, some of the very prophets proclaimed that they were going to kill Him one day. If you read Psalm 23, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He talks about how the crowds crowd around him and sneer at him and pierce his side and gamble for his clothes. I mean, all of this is said in Psalms. This is said 800 years before Jesus was ever born. And all of that stuff has got to happen because Jesus is a fulfillment of those prophecies. But what is Peter saying? No, no. That can never happen and to you. And Peter knew, Peter knew the prophecies, right? Sure. He, he, as a good Jew, he would have sure. known. Sure. And he said, but he turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. So, yeah. so what's happening? Remember at the beginning of our passage how he was explaining to them about bread? And he was actually talking about the spiritual food that nourishes the soul? And what, did they, what were they thinking about? Yeah, but if you look at it from Peter's side, Peter loves Jesus. And of course he, he did. And, you know, just like I love my son, I, I don't want it, if I could help it, you know. So, yeah, he's thinking with his, with his flesh, he is. But, I mean, that's just a, that's a reaction. That's a, that's reaction. a carnal reaction. And here's another carnal reaction. Did you know that we, as Christians, do not want to suffer? Oh. No. Of course not. We don't want any hardship. We want people to like us. We want to get along with the crowd. We want people to pat us on the head and tell us how what good little boys and girls we are. I'd rather stay away. We want gold stars. We want gold stars for attending Sunday school. We want a pat on the back. An A plus. Right. You see. But the reality is, Jesus said, and we're going to see this next time we get together. He's going to say, "You take up your cross and follow me. You come and die with me." That's the call to the Christian. So, when you see a preacher standing up at a pulpit saying, if you trust in God, that He'll fill your bank accounts and give you a nice home and health and wealth and, and all these good things, how many people are going to sign up for that? Right? Woo! Me. Give me. But, but think about this. When you, when you, if you, if you as a, a child of God, as a disciple, walk up to a lost person, to, let's just say to a friend of yours who is lost, lost. And, and let's just say that they're uh, a, an addict. They've been an addict for 20 years. And you walk up to that person and you say this to them. Jesus loves you. Now, is that true? Yeah. Yes. But you know what that addict's going to say to you? Well, I love me too. That's so good. I love Jesus. <laughs> Lori saw that. Well, now watch. They would say, then why is he letting this happen to me? That, there you go. Yep. Good. All right. This shouldn't be happening to you. Right. That's what Peter's saying to Jesus. No, you're the son of God. This shouldn't be happening to you. But he knew it was supposed to. That's exactly right. And he knows the suffering and the pain that we're going to go through in this life. We're going to get diseases. We're going to get sick. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to see divorce. We're going to see abuse. That's already going on. We're going to see hurt and pain and suffering and sorrow. We're going to see it. And he's saying, 
Get behind me, Satan. So what has God called us to, to do? God has called us to stand for His truth. And by standing for that truth, the world is going to try to knock you off of your feet. Right? And the enemy hates you, and he don't want that truth to claim. You almost fell over. So, so think about that. You are a stumbling block to me, Peter, because you are setting, not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. man's. Now think about that. So I'll finish with this and we'll finish the class up. There were two things that Jesus pointed out in our lesson today. One of them, he asked Peter this. Who do you say I am? And that is a question that each and every one of us in this room have to answer. We have to answer that. And the only way that we can answer it truthfully and accurately is if the Father from Heaven reveals it to us. Yeah. And what is the answer? Who is He? He is the Christ, the Anointed One. He is the Son of the Living God. Right. And only a child of God can proclaim that. As All true. Says, I am yeah. the beginning and the end. So, who do we say He is? He is the Christ. He is the one that Elijah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and... Uh, and John the Baptist all proclaimed, Who do you say that I am? He is the Son of the living God, and He is also the Messiah, and He is also uh, our Savior. And we have to be a fan. That's what He asked him. Who do you say that I am? And then the thing that He said at the end was this, and this is something that should affect all of us in this room too. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that is a battle that each and every one of us will, will struggle every day. <laughs> Yeah. Setting our minds on God and not ourselves. Okay. So, it is good to see everybody. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Sorry. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us together. Thank you for your truth and your love. Thank you for sending your Son, our Savior, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one who all of the prophets proclaim, the one who died on a cross and rose again to save us, the one who is sitting in the exterior uh, on the throne in heaven. Thank you for all that you do for us. Help us, Lord, to uh, loose your truth on this world. Help us to live that truth in our own lives and help us to share that truth with others. Help us, Lord, to know you more and more. Um, help us to believe you and to receive you. And help us, Lord, to set our minds on the things of your kingdom and not of man's. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.